You know, I confess, you have to depend on about 40 years of professional discipline to keep it together. And I know that uh, uh, many of you today are uh, you know, stunned. And uh, for those of us who have known for a while that this was coming, uh, it's a bit surreal. I know a lot. I know everyone here has been blessed by Alan and by Martha, and uh, there are some things that you want to say to them. Uh, you can certainly do that any time, but uh, there's going to be a, a recognition of their quarter century of service as shepherding couple to our church on February 24th, and uh, you might be uh, preparing something that you might want to write down and uh, and to pass to them as a way of expressing your gratitude to them for the ways that they have dedicated themselves and sacrificed for our spiritual well-being. And that is going to be on uh, February 24th. And uh, we'll be sending some more information uh, about this out to the small group leaders, but we are going to cancel that night, that Sunday night, all of our small groups in order for everyone to attend. Uh, Let's begin with a word of prayer as Uh, You know, I did not intend when you're planning out your sermons to preach on uh, shepherds this morning, but I felt with with, uh, the reading of Alan's letters, stepping down, he and Martha from helping to shepherd this congregation, that it'd be a good time to say something about the importance and the power and the influence and the effect that a shepherd has on our lives. And let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for all of the provisions you make for us in this life, and they're too numerous to count. But it's blessing after blessing. It's goodness after goodness. The things that you supply us with in this life, like food and your word and uh, fellowship and the church and and, and for things like that, Father, we continually pray thanks to you and gratitude to you for these things that help us to flourish and thrive in this life. But in this moment, Father, we want to thank you for the provision of shepherds. Folks that are willing to be held accountable for our souls. The people who dedicate themselves to sacrificing for people. We are so grateful for them. And we ask, Father, that, uh, that you bless worldwide but in particular the ones that we know. We pray, Father, that your great, your great graciousness will fall on their hearts this day. Oh, we're so thankful, Father. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an opening scene in a 2018 movie where there is a herd, of, a flock of sheep that have clustered together and it's very obvious that they're nervous. And the reason they're nervous is because of the presence of coyotes. And as the camera focuses in on this lone figure, it turns out that he is a protector and that he is a shepherd. And the coyotes are run off, and the sheep as a whole run to the shepherd and follow him as he walks to the next scene in the movie. One of the great truths of being a disciple of Jesus is this, is that life without a shepherd is dangerous if you're a sheep. Life without a shepherd is dangerous if you're a sheep, and we are that. 
even though we don't like to admit it very much, we are very much like sheep. And we all need shepherd types in our life. I cannot remember personally a time in my life when I did not have a shepherd or some kind of a mentor figure in my life. I am today due in part to a couple of shepherds at the Bel Air Church of Christ who would not give up trying to engage with me when I was trying and choosing to be unengageable. There was a time when I was sitting in the pews like you, but I was a lost sheep. I was sheep one zero zero. I was the one that was missing. And they knew it. And these two men, every Sunday that I was there, knowing that my life had been derailed and that there was, uh, I was more interested in than the kingdom of God, they would, they would, they would try to engage me every Sunday. This, uh, this one, the older man, he's a 70s, 17, 18 years old, and think you're pretty cool, and he would come up and he would say, hey, it's so good to see you. If you ever want to go and get a soda or a malt, and I'm thinking, really, dude, a malt? And then some years later, it dawned on me that he, he didn't care about the malt. He didn't care about the soda. He cared about me. And all he was saying is, I want to be your friend. I want to spend some time with you. I want to make myself available to you. And the, the second one was a, was a true friend. I, I see his face, the twinkle in his eyes behind the glasses, the smile that look that was genuine, authentic, glad to see you, glad you're here. And he was, he was uh, in, back in a time when, you know, there wasn't a lot of touchy feelingness. he always put his hand on my shoulder, an arm around my shoulders. And he had been a part of my life ever since we had moved to the D.C. area. He's always, always, always there. And a couple of years ago, I called him up. And I was thinking about him and thinking about all the ways that I had been blessed in life and sort of the top of the list of those that have helped me to get to the place where I am today was Buddy. And I called him up and told him. And it's been the same through college and graduate school and church work here and and abroad. There's always been this figure of a shepherd whose hands have always had their, their fingers kind of gently on my heart and my soul and my mind. And many of you are nodding because you know what that's like. In Acts chapter 20, we find these men called a couple of different things. They're called elders, they're called overseers or bishops. But there at the end of verse 28, they're called shepherds. And shepherd is the dominant image of this person in the Bible. And the most comprehensive, and you and I know this, that the most comprehensive description of a shepherd is found in the most famous psalm of them all, Psalm 23. It's up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me to still and quiet waters. He restores my soul guides me on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear nothing. For you, shepherd, are with me. 
your staff, they comfort me. And not only that, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup can have no more. It overflows. Surely, mercy and love will pursue me. Literally, the word radav means pursue. Surely, mercy and love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's so much to say about what it means to be a shepherd and have a shepherd in your life. I don't have time to cover it all, but I do want to say four things out of this psalm that are the blessings that come from our shepherds. They are involved in restoring or renovating our lives and directing and protecting and iterating the great truths. Let's start with that first one, the restoration. Wise man Solomon counseled all of us to think continually on these words. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. You don't have to be very old in watching or reading a newspaper, watching the news, to know that individual disasters are all around us. And corporate disasters and national disasters are all around us. And these disasters a lot of time are the result of poorly made human choices or poorly formed uh, system of values or worse yet, poorly formed character. I've said it before, we need all the help we can get because as human beings we are broken. To fall down means that we are broken. Our world is full of people that are flying upside down and they don't know it. That they're heading at high speed to a brick wall with no one to tell them to change course, change direction. The greatest need, one of the greatest needs of a human being who is like a sheep is a shepherd who will renovate their heart. Help restore their heart to God. Psalm 23 things that happen to a person when they allow a shepherd to come into their life. God is the model shepherd in Psalm 23. And to put your life in the care of God is to experience a life of contentment. And this is one of the things that our human shepherds in our churches and other churches do. These shepherds are working with the great shepherd, as Jesus is referred to in 1 Peter 5, to lead us into a life in which we can say, my life is a life that belongs to God. I lack nothing. I'm content. I can lie down in the pasture because I'm satisfied. Those shepherds working with the great shepherd lead us to a life in which we say, I lack nothing. Our shepherds show us how to get to the green pastures to find contentment. Our shepherds lead us to the still waters where our thirst is, is, is taken care of. We find satisfaction and we can say, He restores my soul. One of the most important pieces in the work of a shepherd is leading sheep to the places where they can flourish and thrive, which involves the second thing, which is direction. There are two ways you can give directions to somebody. The first way is you can tell someone how to get there. You go down to the end of the block by the oak tree where there's a broken fence. You turn left, you go down to the creek, not the big creek, but the little creek. You turn by the big rock, look over the hill, you'll see a house. You go down, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's it's convoluted. And life Life can sometimes be a little bit difficult to navigate. 
So you can give directions, or you can give directions and you can say, follow me, I'll show you the way. David the psalmist writes, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. David's not saying, well, you know, here's the deal. Read Torah, do what it says, and eventually you'll get there. What David is saying is that this shepherd who comes into his life is not just giving him directions. He's giving him directions and giving him instruction, but he's all along the way with him on that path of righteousness, showing him that this is the path that makes absolutely perfect sense. The shepherd doesn't give the sheep crazy directions. He says, follow me. He guides along the path. He gets involved step by step, step by step with the sheep. He's telling and modeling the path of life that reflects not just the name of God, but the presence of God. The Hebrew writer that, uh, that Stephen read from Hebrews chapter 13 says, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider, listen to what they have to say, but consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate. Walk in their steps. The life of faith. Not only is it restoration and direction, but it's also about protection. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Life is not always green pastures in still waters. Sometimes life can knock the wind out of you. Many of you have heard the story that, uh, that Shane and Shannon West tell of the time when their oldest daughter, Katie, was critically ill and in the hospital when she was this, this wee little wisp of a girl. And a doctor comes in, tells Shane and Shannon that, uh, that Katie is dangerously ill, critically and it's one of those moments in life, and for those of, of us who have been there, it's one of those moments when it seems that life has weaponized itself against you. And you're sitting there stunned. They come out of the x-rays, shaken. First faces they see, Rich and Kurt Taylor. And in this shepherding couple, there was a strength that had walked in that door. The younger brother of Jesus says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you have not already experienced this, there is coming a day in your life when you are going to Nietzsche's person of faith. You will need a righteous person of faith who will say your name into the ear of God and plead with God in the name of Jesus to bring whatever it is that you need to know that you are blessed. The presence of a shepherd 
And moments like that help the sheep say that even if the worst thing happens, I'm not going to be afraid. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff. And then the last thing is iteration. You have to iterate before you can reiterate, right? You have to say the same thing over and over and over again. I can't tell you the number of times in my life that Ellen had to iterate and reiterate and then iterate and then reiterate before I got it. Socks go in the hamper. I get it now. I heard. But it took a while. The Apostle Peter was himself a shepherd and an elder in the church. And Peter loved people. And he loved God and he loved the Christ. And as such, he saw a part of his ministry to be that of reminding people of the great truths of the faith. He refers to himself as a fellow elder at the end of 1 Peter, at the beginning of 2 Peter, the end of that chapter. He's reminding them. And he says, I'm going to keep reminding you in order to refresh your memory, in order that you will always remember these things even when I can't be there. And why is that important? Well, lots of reasons. We tend to forget. We tend to forget. Or it might be that we have such a hard head that it takes a little bit of pounding before it begins to make its way into that little room that God has blessed us with called remember. But there are reasons why he's saying, I'm going to remind and I'm going to refresh in order for you to remember these things. It's because there are times in our life when we think that we've done something that God can't forgive. Or that we can't come back to church. That we're not going to be welcomed because of something that we said, something that we did, something that we've done for a while. Or we begin to think that there might be hope for everyone else, but not for me because I am who I am. And there are times when the shepherd has to come into your life and to remind you of one of some of the greatest words in all of the Bible. That surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And you, brother and sister, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A shepherd reminds people of what grace is and what the love of God is like. Grace and love, mercy and love, keep that door open. And so, kind of as a closing piece, I want to I say two, I, I hope, practical things. Uh, the first, I want to say to the under 40 dudes, two words, get ready, get ready. Shepherds are not made overnight, brothers. Spiritual maturity in the Bible is always illustrated with agricultural or horticultural images and examples. Spiritual growth and maturity is the result of walking a while with the Spirit of God in the will of God in the kingdom of God. We walk by the Spirit And the fruit of spiritual maturity begins to blossom and it begins to grow. And all of that kingdom love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and gentleness and faithfulness and kindness 
are the fruit of a life that is lived in an interactional relationship with God. And what you are becoming on the inside, in your heart of hearts, in your soul, becomes visible. What you are on the inside becomes visible on the outside. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 that there's no such thing as a hypocritical tree. If a tree is right on the inside, good fruit. But if there is rottenness on the inside, well, you only trees that are healthy and right on the inside will bear good fruit. And you are never going to be called to become a shepherd over this church. You are going to be called to serve as a shepherd because over the years you have become a shepherd. And the church has seen it. So get ready. Get ready. And to the 40 and older crowd, man, 40 sounds so young. But to the 40 and older crowd, two words. Think carefully. Think carefully. I haven't had any recent or uh, near past conversations with anyone in this church about becoming a shepherd. And so what I'm about to say uh, to my peer group is, is based on four decades of ministry, both here in the United States and abroad. It's no little thing to be called to serve the church as a shepherd. It's a very serious thing. You say no when God has called you to do something different with your life. You always obey the direct calling of God for your life. You also say no when you have not settled in your mind any doubts you might have about whether or not you are a wolf in sheep's clothing. There's a story that uh, Roy Osborne, now deceased, longtime preacher at the same, uh, what church is that? over Sunset Ridge. I guess I am over 40. <laughs> a Sunset Ridge church. He was in Israel getting on the bus and he sees on some of those narrow roads there's a herd of a flock of sheep that are being driven up the road there. And he had always heard from all of the, you know, the biblical teachings and imagery, metaphors, and that kind of stuff, that, that, that sheep are led by shepherds. There's no driving them like cattle. And so he stopped and he turned to the bus driver and the guide and said, hey, I've always heard that, that shepherds lead sheep. What is this guy doing driving? And they both looked at each other and then looked at him and said, you know what? Uh, here's the deal. That guy's not a shepherd. He's the butcher. And he's, he's taking them to the slaughterhouse. You say no when you've not settled in your mind any doubts you might have about whether or not you are a wolf in sheep's clothing. That you're going to get mad and you're going to get ugly if you're never asked to be an elder. You say no. But listen, being a shepherd, hard work. But being hard is not a reason to say no. And the self-knowledge that you may not be perfect, that you might have stumbled in your life or that you, know, you have a clear vision of your inadequacies, 
Those two might not be a reason to say no because those might be the very reasons that God is calling you to serve. Paul would say that God's grace is sufficient and His power is made perfect in human, what? Weakness. Or the time may not be right and so the answer might be not now. The little church, which is your family, should never take precedence or become more, uh, less important than the big church, which is Mac. But when you think about it, there's, there's probably been more than one time in your life when you have been blessed by a shepherd. There was a time when you were feeling weak, or there was a time when you didn't know what to do. And it may have been as simple as, do, do I stay or do I take a job over here? And you had someone that you could go and you could talk to and who would listen. And not only would they listen, but they would ask questions. And they would converse with you. And in the end, they would put their hand on your knee or on your shoulder or hold your hand. And they would pray for God's wisdom to be evident and abundant in your life with whatever it was you were facing. Or maybe it was a time in which you didn't think that there would ever be an opportunity for you to come back. And there was that point in your life where you were so busy doing what it was that you wanted to do that was flying upside down. And you thought, you know, the door is never going to be open. The door is never going to be open. And then one day, a shepherd talks with you about what grace really is and what it means to be a human. And that a lot of these speeches that we are capable of doing some very, very awful things and making some very awful, awful decisions. But to say, here's the thing. God's grace means that He wants you. And the way that that grace comes about and becomes a reality in life means That God not only wants you, but he loves you. God doesn't want you to come back because, well, you know, he's got got to do that. God's in the forgiving business. But you come back, but you don't feel his smile. You sense the frown. And the shepherd says, no, 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 no. And they say, remember the prodigal son. The old man sitting on the porch sees the sun from a distance, and he does the most outlandish thing that no ancient Mediterranean man would do. He gets his robe and ties him up, and he runs down the driveway, down the street, and tackles the sun and kisses him. Why does he kiss him? You ever wondered about that? Why does he kiss him? I mean, this son has been a rat. He wished that this father was dead. He wanted to do his own thing. He took all of the blessings that the father had given him, all the resources, and had run away, had gone to the far-off country, and had squandered it, and now he's wanting to come back, and the father wants to run down and tackles him and kiss him. You know why he's kissing him? Because he had been kissing him in his heart every day. And something just happens in that conversation, and you go, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Shepherds aren't blessing. It doesn't mean they're perfect. 
doesn't mean that they always make perfect decisions. But these are men who have dedicated their lives to shepherding your souls. And everyone here, including moi, needs a shepherd. In fact, we're going to have some shepherds right down here at the front. And if there are ways that these shepherds can minister to you this morning by sharing the, the, the truth of the gospel with you or praying with you or holding your hand or crying with you or whatever it is, then we want you to come down during this next song and talk to these shepherds and the rest of us. Let's stand and let's praise God together. Really?